Today on Con Talk, we're talking about Angels Unaware, the first story arc of the comic series Daredevil Dark Knights. Rogue signal intercepted. Signal designation. Bees, views, and reviews. Signal host. Branson Boykin, initiating Com Talk. Hey guys, welcome to Bees, Views, and Reviews, the podcast that promotes faith-based, family-friendly comics and the creators that make them. Brought to you by Geek Devotions, a show by devoted geeks devoted to letting you know that you are loved. I'm B, and today we'll be talking about a mainstream comic book, the series Daredevil Dark Knights. We're going to be looking at the very first story arc of this series called Angels Unaware by the great Lee Weeks. Lee Weeks actually wrote and illustrated this story arc, and it's the initial story arc of the Daredevil Dark Knights comic series. I'm a big fan of Lee Weeks. I've been following him for a few years now, and uh, I was very excited to see that he had a storyline that he not only wrote, but also drew. Uh, so that's really cool. Um, Angels Unaware is a three-part story that takes place in New York City during an apocalyptic blizzard. Uh, for those of you who are in the Shreveport area, you may remember the snow apocalypse that we had earlier this year in 2021. So, uh, so I could definitely connect with that certain plot point. But anyhow, this blizzard has blanketed New York City in apocalyptic level snowfall. And through some bad circumstances, Matt Murdock, whom most of my Daredevil fans will know is the true identity of Daredevil, finds himself in a hospital. Uh, he's been bopped in the head. He's got slight amnesia. He can't really remember who he is, but while he's in this hospital, he learns of a young girl who's awaiting the arrival of a heart for a life-saving transplant surgery. There was a, an unfortunate situation where a little boy was killed in a car accident in a different part of the city. And, uh, his parents, uh, upon his death agreed to donate his heart so that this little girl who's named Hannah, uh, can have a hope for survival. And so they uh, put this heart in a special container that's supposed to keep the heart viable. And they're sending it via helicopter to the hospital so she can get this transplant. The problem is, as I said, there's an apocalyptic snow going on and the helicopter crashes. So everyone's thinking, oh no, there's, you know, there's no hope. There's no hope. Well, Matt Murdock hears about it. And he basically says, hey, I can help. So he dons his daredevil garb and leaps out into the night refusing to let this little girl die he takes on the message to retrieve this heart he fights his way through freezing temperatures opportunistic goons capitalizing on the tragedy and even some of kingpin's minions to bring the new heart to the little girl and give her a chance at life so it's basically a story of standing against all odds refu refusing to back down and uh, doing what he can to bring hope to this little girl named hannah so all in all it's a really hope-filled story um, one of the things I always love about Daredevil stories is the creative ways that the writers like to use his superpowers. Now, Daredevil is, is unique among superheroes in that, you know, he doesn't shoot lasers from his hands. He doesn't stick to walls. He's not super strong, but his senses are heightened because he's blind. His other senses are super heightened. Uh, he's, his, his touch is very, very sensitive. He can read the uh, imprint of uh, someone writing on a piece of paper. His sense of hearing is is, is keen, like, like a canine. He can hear everything. Um, he can use the the echoing sounds around for him to understand everything that's going on. His sense of smell is superb. I mean, just 
every other sense is is, is super super high tuned. Um, I'm I'm reminded of the very first time I saw Daredevil. Uh, well, not the first time I saw Daredevil on screen, but one of the more recent times I saw Daredevil on screen was the Ben Affleck movie, and I know that that movie gets a lot of flag and different people have different opinions about it. I actually enjoyed it. And one of the reasons I enjoyed it was the way they showed Daredevil's echolocation, how you saw the sound waves wash over and just how you could see how he encounters the world. So it's always cool when authors take interesting uh, steps to, to see exactly how Daredevil's uh, senses interact with the world and what's interesting about this, as I said before, when the story opens up, Matt Murdock's been hit in the head, so he's got slight amnesia, and uh, he he's unconscious, but he wakes up in the hospital bed, and he keeps screaming about all the voices. Now, as Daredevil fans, we know that the voices he's hearing are the voices of everyone in the hospital. He hears more than just the people in the room. He hears the people in the room next to him, and in the hallway, and the people on the floor above him and the floor below him and in the people uh, and the voices of the people in the street. We know that when he screams about the voices, he's talking about the voices of everyone around him. Well, the, the nurse doesn't know that this guy's Matt Murdock doesn't know that he's an accomplished lawyer in hell's kitchen. They think he's just some crazy homeless guy. And he bolts upright screaming about how he hears voices. So of course they respond with, okay, this guy's schizophrenic. Uh, we need to get him some medicine. So they give him an injection of a, of a sedative that, that kind of, that kind of dulls him down and helps him go to sleep. And uh, it ends up being a good thing because that, that gives his brain time to recuperate a little bit. He starts to remember that he's blind. He starts to learn how to block out the sensory overload so that he can only hear what he wants to hear. And that's how he comes to learn about this girl named Hannah, who's waiting for this heart transplant. But it, it kind of made me chuckle a little bit that, you know, this guy who bolts up and because he has super hearing, he hears the voices of everyone in the hospital and the nurses think he's just crazy because he's screaming about voices in his head. <laughs> so that, 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 that moment made me chuckle a little bit, but it was unique. You know, I, I thought that was a unique perspective that only daredevil could be in. Um, another really cool thing is, uh, he describes as he goes through his mission to find this heart, he describes how the falling snow actually interferes with his senses. Uh, he, it's, it's basically like radar chaff. Uh, it's like confetti, confetti that uh, soldiers will put out into the air to confuse radar. And because the snow is falling, his echolocation keeps picking up on all the snowflakes and it's making it hard for him to understand the world around him. And so he says it's basically his version of being snow blind. And I thought that was a really interesting uh, challenge to create for Daredevil by putting him in this blizzard. The, the, the snowflakes, instead of creating sound like a, like a rain, like a rainfall would, you know, cause like if, if it's raining, then every raindrop creates a sound and it basically makes him to where he can see everything. But a snowflake doesn't make a sound when it falls. And in fact, because it falls more slowly, it would reflect the sound waves. So I think it was neat that, that they put him in that unique situation that he had to overcome that he's essentially, well, not completely blind, but his senses are off because of the snow. And I thought that was a really interesting thing that Lee Weeks did to put him in a unique situation where, you know, 
everyone else is, is, in, is hindered by the snow for different ways, but for him, it actually blinds him a little bit uh, for his echolocation. So he's got to maneuver through all these snowflakes that are falling. Um, another plot point that I thought was really neat about this story arc is you see Daredevil go through a prioritization that uh, he has to do. Because remember, his mission is to get to this heart that Hannah needs for her transplant. He's trying to find a wrecked helicopter somewhere in the city of New York under this blizzard that's, that's taken over the city. And he, he describes in the first issue how he's running and he hears all of these crimes that are being committed. People that are taking advantage of the fact that there's this blizzard, people that are breaking into shops that are closed so they can steal things. People that are, uh, you know, taking advantage of the situation that police aren't going to come because they're snowed in too. And he's making a catalog of all these people. One in particular, he takes the time to pay attention to a guy named Johnny, uh, I think his name is Johnny Lucas. Uh, No, Johnny Cruz, excuse me, Johnny Cruz. And uh, he hears these minions of this loan shark kind of roughing him up because he he was an ex-junkie. He fell off the wagon, borrowed money from the wrong person to feed his habit, and uh, didn't pay it back. So he hears these goons about to beat this guy up. And Daredevil's talking about how he represented him in court and helped him get clean the first time. And then, you know, on a normal night, he would definitely go in and stop those guys from roughing up Johnny and and give him another chance. But he basically says, sorry, Johnny, no one's coming tonight. Because he knows that Hannah's heart is on a timetable. The longer Hannah's heart is sitting, not being involved in a surgery, the less viable it becomes and the less chance that Hannah has. So we see Daredevil running through all of these situations that he would normally take the time to stop and help out. And he's deliberately skipping them because of the time restraints that trying to get to Hannah's heart has. And that, that really caught me because it makes me think about, you know, what about our real life heroes, like police officers and firefighters? How many times do they have to make split second decisions? you know, or, or nurses in an ER uh, situation, they have to decide, okay, who can I save and who am I going to have to let go this time? Or who am I going to have to uh, just hope that they can get out on their own because I've got to prioritize who I can help. And this is especially meaningful because one of my favorite characters is Spider-Man. And if you know anything about Spider-Man is that he doesn't prioritize. He doesn't pick and choose. Spider-Man would lose time on going to get that heart to save every single person that he would swing by. So every time Daredevil hears something going on and says, I can't do that right now, I've got to focus on the heart, Spider-Man would have stopped. And in this situation, because time is so much of the essence, Hannah would have died. And this would have been another dead person on Spider-Man's conscience, but Daredevil doesn't make that decision. He says... Hannah's heart is the most important thing, and I'm going to focus on that, and I'm not going to let anything else distract me. Even good things, some of the things that Daredevil ran by were were things that it would have been a good thing for him to stop and help, but doing that would have taken attention away from his mission of helping to get Hannah her heart, and that that just really uh, struck me that he's having to prioritize this mission. And uh, I, uh, I don't know, it, it just, 
it just really caught my attention. Uh, another interesting point about Johnny Cruz, the junkie that he skips over later in the story, once daredevil gets the heart, he has the heart in a special package. They put it in it to try to keep it viable as long as possible. And he's working his way back to the hospital. And, um, he actually gets, he, he succumbs to the cold. Basically he, he, he stops and he, uh, ends up stopping a guy from assaulting a woman. And, uh, the cold just gets to him. And he passes out. Well, he's found by none other than a beaten up Johnny Cruz. And what's crazy is Johnny Cruz sees him laying there, sees that, that, that heart thing on his back. And he basically takes, takes daredevil to a sit to a place where he can stay warm, leaves him with a shelter so that he can stay warm, puts the heart transplant thing on his back and starts walking to this, walking through the snow to the hospital. He's trying to carry on daredevil's mission mission. Now this is the ex junkie who was getting beaten up because he wouldn't pay his loan. And here he is basically becoming the hero of the day. Um, and what adds something that's really interesting to that is Kingpin's minions are out trying to hunt down daredevil. They find Johnny know that he's got the heart that daredevil has been keeping track of. And they try to use it as bait to get daredevil and they keep telling him, tell us where Daredevil is. And we'll let you go. You know, we even let you go with a prize. We just, you know, we just want Daredevil. And Johnny refuses to give him up. And just even though he's already been beaten up by his loan sharks goons, now he's getting beaten up by Kingpin's goons. And he refuses to give Daredevil up. He won't tell them where Daredevil is. He won't tell them that Daredevil is hurt. He's just sitting there taking the beating. And Daredevil shows up. Thankfully, he... he wakes up refreshed and he's not at a hundred percent, but he's still able to fight. He uh, goes and finds Johnny beats Kingpin's goons and is able to get both Johnny and the heart back to the hospital in the nick of time uh, to, to save Hannah. And uh, I just find that so neat that the, the guy that daredevil passed on and said, I can't help you right now. ended up being the very guy that saved him and, uh, and helped him uh, rescue the heart for this little girl, Hannah. So there's a lot more I want to talk about, about the story arc. Uh, we're going to take a quick little break here for a commercial. And then when we get back, I want to talk, kind of dive deep more into some of these plot points and exactly why I'm covering a more mainstream comic on a podcast. that's for faith-based comics. So we'll be right back. Welcome, adventurers! Are you looking for an actual play podcast without profanity? Or maybe one that even Grandma can love? Well, you're in luck! Introducing Playing Games with Strangers! A bunch of voice actors get together to play Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition and weave a tale of comedy, tragedy, and dad jokes. And, on the plus side, the whole family can listen. Subscribe to the show at PlayingGamesWithStrangers.com New episodes release every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Welcome back to Bees Views and Reviews. Today we are talking about the Daredevil Dark Knight story arc, Angels Unaware, by Lee Weeks. Before the break, I kind of was summarizing some of the cool plot points of the story. 
And what I want to take do now is take some time to explain exactly why I'm covering this story. You know, normally when you think about faith-based and family-friendly comics, your more mainstream heroes don't come to mind. Uh, not that they're bad stories or anything like that. It's just, you know, we're not used to seeing faith-based stuff with the likes of Spider-Man or Daredevil or the Avengers or Batman or things like that. Now, you know, uh, we all love the line that Captain America has in the first Avengers movie. There's only one God, ma'am, and I'm sure he doesn't dress like that. That, that. that makes us chuckle. And of course, Daredevil, part of his story arc is that he's a devout Catholic. So it's not as odd to see that here. But what I love about this story and about Lee Weeks, um, first of all, Lee Weeks is a Christian. He's not quiet about that. He, uh, on his social media, he's very forthcoming about his faith. So it's really cool to see him work elements of his faith into the story. For example, when we first see Matt Murdock, he's in his office and he's fallen asleep reading his Bible. And he, he kind of makes a note about, you know, that's the price of spending the night with a good book is, you, you know, you don't want to leave your office. So I thought it was neat that we kind of called Matt Murdock in the middle of his quiet time with God, uh, you know, uh, before the, the adventure starts. Um, also, Lee Weeks incorporates scriptures as a narration of the story. At different parts of the story, he'll quote verses. Um, and in a really cool part earlier before the break, I was talking about Johnny Cruz, who got passed up by Daredevil. Uh, earlier in the story, later in the story, actually stops and helps Daredevil. And uh, that's paralleled with uh, references to the story of the Good Samaritan and the question of who is my neighbor, who is my neighbor. And so we see references to that. Uh, we see also some scripture verses from Proverbs and from 1 Corinthians and a lot of stuff. So we, we've got these these scriptures that get inserted into the story as kind of a, a framework and a narration for the story which is really cool. And it does it in such a way that it doesn't feel preachy. You know, uh, you know, I, I'm all about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, but if you're not careful, when you try to incorporate elements of faith into a story, it can come across as a little preachy. And, uh, but that's, that's not what happens here. It's a great framework. Uh, it's a way of interjecting little nuggets of truth, uh, without coming across as a sermon. And, and I appreciated that. But, my absolute favorite part of the whole story and the, and the reason the, the the conversation that made me think this would be a perfect uh, comic to review for this podcast is uh, at the very end of the story. As I said before, Johnny Cruz ends up taking the heart most of the way from where daredevil passes out. Daredevil comes back, finds him, carries him the rest of the way, uh, gets the heart to Hannah so she can have a transplant. But he also, brings in Johnny because Johnny's been beaten up not once, but twice in this story uh, by two different groups of goons and not to mention the hypothermia from walking in the snow. He's in bad shape. Um, so daredevil brings him into the hospital and says he needs medical attention. And so, uh, daredevil standing there and one of the nurses comes up and says, daredevil, he, he's asking for you. So he goes in and Johnny's sitting there and, and I typed this out so I could make sure I quote it perfectly. He's looking at daredevil and uh, he tells Daredevil that at the shelter when he was passed out, he kept mumbling about how saving the little girl would be in some way paying, repaying a debt, that Daredevil had to, had to uh, save this little girl to pay a debt. And, and that's a reference to Daredevil pointing out that a lot of people that he cares about in his life have died. Uh, he remembers 
Karen Page, who was killed by Bullseye, Electra, who was killed by Bullseye, then brought back, then killed again a couple of times. At this point in the story, she was dead. Uh, so he, he's remembering all the good that he didn't do. And he feels like saving Hannah will somehow outdo some of his past misdeeds. And Johnny, Johnny Cruz looks him dead in the eye and he says, if you can hear anything from an ex junkie, today's good never outruns past sin. Can't earn what's already been paid for. So don't try. It's his gift. Even to a junkie like me, we can only turn to him to receive it. So here we are at the end of a mainstream comic published by Marvel comics about daredevil. And we have an ex-junkie sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with a superhero. We've gone on this three-issue story of, of, of Daredevil trying to save the day uh, to, to get this heart for Hannah. And at the very end of it, we hear from an ex-junkie. An ex-junkie that Daredevil didn't even stop to save the first time, but comes back and becomes almost the hero of the story. And he's talking about how the only way we can out get get away from the sin of our past is to receive the love of Jesus is to receive his sacrifice we can't earn our salvation we can't do enough good to erase the sins of our past all we can do as he says we can't earn what's already been paid for because our sin has been paid for by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross all we can do is turn to him and receive that gift so, I mean, I, when I read this, I just wanted to fist pump the air. I mean, I was so excited. I'm reading a Marvel comic. This is mainstream stuff. This is in your, you know, at the time it was published, it would be in your regular comic book shelves right there, right next to Spawn and Superman and Batman and, and whoever, whatever other comics are out there. There's this Daredevil comic. And at the end of the third issue, there is a gospel presentation. And I'm just, I'm just so amazed that, that that happened, that it wasn't edited out, that Marvel let Lee do it. Uh, I, I'm very proud that Lee did it. I think it's a great story. I think Daredevil is the perfect one to tell it because there, there's a lot of themes that, that Daredevil ties into. And, uh, you know, we're, we're just, we're at the end of this emotional roller coaster ride. And then we have this gospel presentation and it was done flawlessly. It was done perfectly. Uh, just an absolute, wonderful wonderful way to wrap the story up and spoiler alert the girl lives her heart transplant goes without a hitch and you know daredevil saves the day but not without the help of johnny cruz this ex-junkie who even though he doesn't always make the right decisions he understands one key truth and that is he's never going to be good enough to earn god's love at the same time he knows he's already got god's love because of what jesus did on the cross and if he doesn't get anything else right, he knows that. He knows how to turn and receive the grace of God. So that was just uh, an amazing part for me for that work. Um, as far as artworks go, I deeply appreciate and enjoy Lee Week's artwork. <coughs> Excuse me. I deeply appreciate Lee Week's artwork because his style has a lot of realism to it. When he draws Daredevil, yeah, he draws Daredevil fit. I mean, come on, he's a superhero. You're not going to draw a superhero that doesn't have a you know well-defined muscle. But he doesn't look like he could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Hulk. He's not, he's not drawing his characters overly muscular. He looks like a real man that you might bump into on the street. I mean, he, he looks real. There's this 
grit level and gritty level to his to his artwork and his pencil work that just it it reminds me of the classics. If you're into art at all, um, pencil art, there are some classical artists that a lot of comic book artists base their their training off of. There's two guys that come to mind. One is George Bridgman, and the other is Andrew Loomis. And these guys are masters at at drawing the human figure. And um, a lot of comic book artists that I've spoken to and that have recommended ways for me to improve my art have recommended studying these two men and their artwork to improve my own. And it looks like Lee Weeks is either these guys reincarnated or he like to study directly under them because it has that realistic look to it. I mean, it, it looks like he was looking at uh, people and using them as a reference to draw the stuff in. It has that realistic art. It doesn't look cartoony. It doesn't look too comic booky, you know, with the massive shoulders and the, the big chests and the arms, the size of melons. I mean, it's, it looks like real people. Uh, his pages look like something that could be hung in a fine arts museum. There are some of these uh, splash pages, like the, the very last page of, of issue one where uh, daredevil because of the blizzard, it's messing with his senses and he ends up falling to the street level into the snow. He gets up and he says, I'm never going to give up. And he's just kind of trudging through the snow and the way Lee weeks captures that moment. I mean, you could frame that and hang it up in a fine arts depot and or, or display and, and uh, sell it for thousands of dollars. I mean, it looks absolutely beautiful. So I appreciate his artwork. And, and that's not to say that artists who have uh, more cartoony styles or, or less realistic artwork uh, isn't good and isn't valid. I mean, I, I think there are a lot of artists who have more cartoony artwork and they still have wonderful artwork. I just, for me personally, I appreciate artwork that has a level of realism to it. And that's where Lee Weeks comes from. He's, he's drawing people that you might actually see. He's not drawing caricatures. He's drawing actual people. And, and, I, and I deeply appreciate that. Lee, I think you pronounce his name Lowridge. I might, have, me, might be mispronouncing that. But Lee Lowridge is the colors for the story. And what I appreciate about his color work is he basically uses three colors, blue, golden yellow, and red. Every scene has one of those three colors. Blue obviously represents most of what goes on outside with the, the, the snow and the blizzard. The golden yellow is, is the lighting of all of your inside scenes uh, to show the warmth of it. And of course, red, because it's a story about Daredevil. I mean, you know, it's Daredevil. He's got to be in red. But as I'm reading through the story, you, you only see variations on those three colors. I mean, I didn't see a green hardly anywhere or, or a purple or, a, you know, a, a violet. Everything was blue, golden, yellow, or red. But because it was just those three colors, it, it heightens the contrast. When, when, when we're outside and everything's blue, I felt cold. Like, like, you know, it's in the middle of summer at the time of this recording. And when I was reading the story, I felt cold when, when I'm reading a story and when I'm reading part of the story and everything's in this golden yellow light, I, I feel warmer. I feel like I'm, you know, I'm huddling next to a fire. So it really pushes forward the, the, the contrast between what's going outside and what's going on inside. And it also brings some warmth to some of those tender moments, like, uh, the car accident where the little boy dies and then mom and dad are making the decision to donate his heart and your heart is breaking, but you're, you're surrounded in this golden light and you feel the, 
the the warmth and the love in that moment. Uh, when you see Hannah's parents arguing over how they're supposed to proceed and what they need to do to make sure that Hannah gets her heart, it's in that that warm moment. When you have Daredevil diving into the icy river to try to get the the heart that everything's blue, you feel the chill of the air. I mean, it's just I have never before seen so much done with just three colors. So the 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 colorist here was just a genius. And, uh, and the fact that Lee Weeks gave him such a good artwork to work from, it just was, was absolutely amazing. As far as content goes on this um, thing, it, it is Marvel Comics. It's a little bit more mainstream. So our younger readers, uh, it might be a little bit too much. I would age this 10, 11, really maybe closer to 12, 10. It, it greatly depends upon your 10-year-old, uh, but definitely 11 or 12. There's no crude language, which I appreciated, no cuss words. There are some intense moments that might not be ideal for younger audiences, just discussions like, for example, talking about what to do with uh, this young boy who's dying and what to do with his heart, uh, you know, things like that, ex-junkies uh, not paying their bills and, and uh, that kind of thing. Uh, the most violent it gets is when Johnny's taking a second beating because we actually see some of the punches thrown and there's. Uh, some blood splatter. It is not over the top. It is not overly gory. Uh, you'd probably get a, maybe a PG-13 rating in a movie. Uh, there is one scene where Daredevil stops an attempted rape. Now, nothing inappropriate is shown. Uh, they're not overly explicit with what's going on, uh, but it is there. Daredevil does stop it from happening, but it is there. So parents, you may want to be aware of that if your kids are sensitive to any of those things. So not... I wouldn't put this as young as some of my other stuff. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd probably want my boys to be a little older before I'd let them read it. Nevertheless, it's a great story. Uh, and it's a lot cleaner than a lot of what else is out there. So if you're looking for a good, relatively clean Daredevil story, I can highly recommend Angels Unaware. Angels Unaware, as I said, is written and drawn by Lee Weeks and is published by Marvel Comics. Uh, this comic book was published in 2013, so if you want a copy, you'll need to get your copy from wherever you get your back issues. Personally, I got this via comicsology.com. I read the digital version. So that's a great place to go and purchase it if you want to read it. Or like I said, hit up your local comic shop to get some back issues, and you can get them there. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I do want to give a quick shout-out to a couple of guys who gave me a recommendation in our discord channel on some books. I want y'all to know I uh, have ordered those books. And at the time of this recording, they had just arrived on my doorstep. So I will be reading those and putting out reviews for those. Don't want y'all to think I've, I've forgotten about you. Uh, those will be in my next episodes. So I uh, want to give a shout out to those guys. Thank you for your recommendations on that note. If you have a faith-based or family-friendly comic that you would love to see reviewed on this podcast, let me know. You can either email me at branson.boykin at gmail.com or you can send a message via through all the social media for Geek Devotions. By the way, we are on all the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the whole works. Find us, follow us, like us, give us a shout, let us know you're there. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Also, be sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast catchers and leave reviews. We like to hear feedback. We like to hear, hey, you know, that episode was really cool. I enjoyed that. Or, hey, that episode was really dull. You should maybe not do that some more. Whatever. We just, 
we'd be excited to know, first of all, that you're listening to us. But secondly, we want to get that constructive feedback so we can make sure we're producing a good show for you. So be sure and do all that. Until next time, stay devoted, peace and love.